Hey everybody, I'm Tim Muma and you're locked into one of our latest creations on LJN Radio, a new podcast called You Do What? Now here we check in on a variety of non-traditional jobs that lets you know you have many options in your career, just need to utilize your skills to succeed. It's more of a laid-back approach with some serious tips and advice, of course. Now, think about it, we're surrounded by space, but it's often an afterthought for most of us. On the other hand, astronomers have a great passion and commitment to understanding the various celestial bodies and activities that go on. To help explain the roles and skills of astronomers, we have an astronomer, Rick Feinberg. On top of his projects and research he might conduct, Rick is also the American Astronomical Society's press officer and education and outreach coordinator. Thanks for coming on today, Rick. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. To give people, you know, just sort of that intro to you, obviously I gave them a, just a sneak peek there, but talk a little bit about what your job is or the, the role and, and job of an astronomer in general, as you would see it. Well, one of the great things about astronomy is that there are so many options for uh, how you might pursue it as a career. My particular passion has always been communication. Uh, so I, as press officer, have a lot of interaction with uh, journalists who cover astronomy uh, whether they work online or work for newspapers or magazines. Mm-hmm. I've also been very involved in uh, in education, done some teaching at the high school and college level. But that's just one option. Uh, other options include pursuing all different kinds of research into uh, the origin, the history, the evolution of the universe. You've got astronomers who do uh, observations, work at telescopes. You've got astronomers who uh, work on instrumentation, or on planetary probes, you know, things like the Mars rovers, Saturn orbiter, people who work on theory, uh, who spend most of their time working on computers and mm-hmm. trying to figure out, you know, the underlying explanations of what other astronomers are seeing. So there's a wide variety of options. And, and I, I love that you bring that up right off the bat, that is, you know, you hear that position or you hear that term astronomer, but it just, there's such a, a broad scope that you can get into with all that. Now, for yourself, what what did attract you into this industry? I mean, was it something from a young age you you just knew you wanted to get into? Was there something that sparked it at some point? What was sort of your path with that? Yeah, I actually uh, have a a pretty distinct memory of uh, of when I got turned on to this stuff. It was when I was twelve years old, which was back in nineteen sixty eight. Three things happened that year uh, that set me on the course to have a career in uh, astronomy and space. One was that I came upon a book by Isaac Asimov, uh, one of, not one of his novels, but one of his nonfiction books, just a, a basically an introduction to the universe. Oh, okay. Another is that my aunt and uncle and grandparents conspired to get me a small telescope for my birthday. <laughs> and the other one was that I suddenly realized that we were about to land astronauts on the moon. And so, whereas I hadn't really been paying all that much attention to the space exploration at that point, Mm -hmm. I got very excited when I realized that we were about to land people on the moon. So those three things together in 1968 uh, basically set me on a course that I have not veered from since. Yeah, that definitely sounds like kind of a perfect storm for you, especially at an age where you're sort of, you know, maybe trying to figure out what you really love, um, you know, just as a a casual passion really for yourself and look where it's gotten you, obviously a, a great career for yourself. So how did it actually get started in terms of, you know, maybe the education side of things or maybe there are some extracurricular type things that you were trying to do? Uh, again, we're just thinking about your path, but to give people an idea of maybe um, the way that you can get into astronomy and, and then find it as a career. Yeah, well, there's, there's really two different angles from which people approach it. You know, when I got a telescope as a kid, uh, I could have just decided that I wanted to uh, pursue astronomy as a hobby. 
Sure. Uh, and a lot of people do that. Uh, you can buy a telescope, but there's lots of them available. Uh, many of them are very good, and you can see all kinds of interesting things from your backyard. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, pursue some other career, and then astronomy is their hobby. And then uh, some people get into astronomy, you know, from that side. They're, they're hobbyists, and then they start thinking, well, you know, I really, really, this is the thing that I like more than anything else in my life, so mm -hmm. I want to pursue this as a professional. And then they they go uh, and and start pushing their own education in the direction of science, physics, math, that kind of thing. Uh, other people come to it from the education side. They're going through school. They're thinking about what are their favorite subjects. Maybe math and science are the things that they're best at. And they start taking more uh, science courses, and usually through an introductory class in astronomy or perhaps through a physics class where they talk about uh, motions of celestial bodies, you know, the moon and the planets, mm -hmm. uh, they, they get turned on to astronomy. But ultimately, whatever the path that leads you in that general direction, if you decide you want to become an astronomer uh, or really any kind of scientist, you have to then, you know, concentrate on getting a science degree at the university level. Now, for yourself, uh, from you know what I saw, obviously you had a bachelor's in physics and then a master's and a PhD in astronomy. Now, is it is it that kind of route where you should have that science background as well as going in? I mean, do you need that to have a to get that advanced degree in astronomy as well? Well, if you want to be a professional astronomer, doing research or teaching at the university level mm -hmm. or working in industry or something like that, then yeah, you really do have to go and get a PhD. It doesn't have to be in astronomy. It can be in physics or it can be in some other related science. You know, there's a lot of uh, people who uh, self-identify as astronomers who are actually, you know, professionally, they're, they're actually geologists or, okay. uh, you know, magnetospheric scientists <laughs> or something, you know, atmospheric scientists even. Right. Uh, because if you're, if you're a specialist in atmospheres, you know, we're discovering hundreds of planets around other stars. And one of the things we want to know is what's going on in their atmospheres. And so, People who, you know, who maybe got a PhD in meteorology are now getting into astronomy. But in order to be a professional scientist and to publish in research journals and to, you know, effectively compete for the type of job that a scientist would be hired for, whether it's uh, at a university or at a NASA facility or at some other, you know, big lab, uh, you need a doctorate. Uh, there's no getting around it. But that is only, again, one of the possible ways to have a career in astronomy. There are many other levels at which you can operate within this uh, within this field. For example, all the telescopes around the world on the big mountaintops are operated by telescope operators. Hmm. A PhD astronomer may not actually know which button to push to get the telescope to point at the object he wants to study. Sure. So you hire somebody who perhaps you know who doesn't need a PhD, but who just uh, you know maybe is an experienced amateur astronomer who has a degree in. Uh, mechanical engineering or electrical engineering or something, just a college degree, no advanced degree necessarily required. And then there are all the people who work uh, in the astronomy business, uh, you know, of, of selling commercial equipment, telescopes, cameras, eyepieces, and other accessories. Those people, a lot of them consider themselves uh, astronomers, even though they don't, you know, they're not research astronomers mm -hmm. or professors, but, and they, they don't need uh, to, to get a PhD. So it really depends on exactly what area of the field you want to work in. But if you're going to be, you know, what most people would consider a professional scientist or what you might call an astrophysicist, then yeah, you need to go on all the way through and get a doctorate. Now, obviously, as you've brought up, uh, even within the uh, astronomy field itself, that there are so many different avenues and, and different careers you can really find for yourself. But when you hear that term astronomer, I guess what 
do you see as being the greatest purpose or the most important role of anyone in that position? You know, some people say, okay, you're, you're looking at all these things, but what does it all mean? What are you trying to accomplish? I, what do you see as the role of anyone in that field? Well, you asked the question just a moment ago. You said, what does it all mean? And that's really at the heart of it. The, the, the role of astronomers is to figure out the answers to some of the biggest questions that people have been asking ever since people have been conscious. You know, where, how did we get here? Where are we going? Uh, you know, how old is the universe? Uh, what is the fate of the solar system? You know, how does the Earth relate to the other planets in the solar system? Basically, just the, the biggest questions that people ask. Kids ask them, you know, as soon as <laughs> right. they start thinking about, as soon as they look up or start thinking, they'll ask their parents, hey, you know, hey, mom, uh, how, how did we get here? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> question all parents dread. But, um, and you could say, well, you know, that's neat. We all would like to know the answers to those questions. But in the 21st century, given all the problems that we have and, and all the challenges and the economy and everything else, maybe it's kind of a, a luxury that we don't need, you know, to be able to, uh, to think about those questions. Those, those answers can wait. But astronomers do uh, one other thing that's really, really important. And I stress this a lot when people ask me, you know, what, what good is astronomy? And that is, it excites people. It motivates kids to study math and science. Even if they don't intend ultimately to become astronomers themselves, it hooks them. So one of the things that we discover, uh, especially if we are involved in teaching uh, kids who aren't planning to become scientists, uh, is that astronomy is so interesting to people. The beautiful images, the big questions that we talk about, you know, the amazing history of, of our discovery of, of how we came to be on this little planet around this little star, that gets people so excited that they think about science, they, they think about their world in a, in a big way, and they become better citizens for it. So whether you're uh, inspiring future scientists or just future citizens, uh, astronomy is a science that, unlike many others, uh, really grabs people and motivates people to think critically about the world around them and to uh, to support rational inquiry. You talked about obviously again the number of different jobs that you know can be held and, and ways to find uh, you find your way into the career. But how about the idea of technology and how much that's affected your position, your industry? Maybe even as you said, people who see it more as a hobby or on the amateur side of things. I guess. What are some things you could pull from uh, from what's gone on, really, with the aid of, of the technology that's that's gone on in the last, I mean, even, you could say, 10, 20 years? Yeah, technology has completely transformed astronomy, both the hobby side and the professional side. Uh, it's almost unrecognizable from what it was when I was a kid. The fact that we now have telescopes orbiting Earth and, and uh, you know, observing the universe at all wavelengths from gamma rays out through radio waves uh, the fact that we have telescopes on mountaintops that are, you know, 40 feet across, just unfathomable how big they are. And mm -hmm. the next generation of telescopes is going to be, you know, 100 feet across. And it's just <laughs> unbelievable. And then there's, uh, there's the detectors we use. Uh, you know, through most of the 20th century, astronomy was done using uh, film or the, or the equivalent of film, photographic emulsions on glass plates. Uh, film is uh, not terribly sensitive. It, it maybe picks up one of every hundred uh, photons of light that strikes it. Now we use electronic detectors that'll pick up 90% plus of the light that falls on them. So it's like taking a telescope and making it uh, 100 times bigger to, to go from 1% to, you know, to almost 100% efficiency mm -hmm. in collecting light. 
So the detectors have made small telescopes into the equivalent of much bigger ones. So even old telescopes have found new life based on the detectors that astronomers are using uh, at their back end. And then on the hobby side, uh, if you go to to a telescope store today or you go online and look for uh, you know for a six inch telescope or something, you can find a telescope now uh, for just a few hundred dollars that has uh, a computer and a GPS built into it. Really? You set it, you set it down on your driveway, you turn it on, and two or three minutes later, it's figured out its location, the date, <laughs> the time, and where it's pointing. And then you say, show me Saturn, and it goes, woo, and it points to Saturn, and you look in the eyepiece, and there it is, and it blows your mind. No, does, does that take any of the... F- a hobby telescope today. Does that take any of the fun out of it, though? I, mean, I thought part of it was trying to you know, figure out what these maps and, and try to find your own locations and that kind of thing, or is that is that not really a part of it anymore? No, that's a part of it, too. As, you know, you can have a GPS in your car, and you don't need it to find your way around uh, familiar neighborhoods, right? Uh, so a lot of astronomers uh, use the... Uh, these kind of advanced capabilities just to help them find things that they might not otherwise be able to track down. But once they get, you know, familiar with the sky, they don't they don't need to rely on those kinds of crutches anymore. Uh, and then there's still an old guard that sees that uh, sees the new technology as kind of uh, <laughs> de- defeating the purpose of of learning your way around the sky. But you know, there's pros and cons of every technology. Uh, for people who uh, live in cities where the sky is kind of bright and it's hard to see mm-hmm. faint stars. It gets very hard to aim a telescope at an object that you can't see with your eye because, you know, you need some signposts nearby. And if you can't see stars, uh, it makes it very hard to aim a telescope because it looks at such a small piece of the sky. If you've got a computer and you can just type in the object's name and it knows exactly where it is and will point for you, you know, you can see things that you otherwise wouldn't get a chance to see. Sure. How about the on the skill side or, or personality for somebody who is going into this field? I mean, are there are there certain traits that you feel you know you really are necessary if you're going to succeed and have a really have a good long career like you have had yourself? I've met so many different types of people in the field that I don't think I would I would want to suggest that there are any particular uh, personality traits or uh, personality types that you know would be particularly good for. Uh, for going into astronomy. And again, because the field is so broad and mm-hmm. there's so many different ways you can participate in it, you know, it, I mean, if you don't like sitting in front of a computer for hours trying to, you know, make it do what you want it to do, uh, then you obviously aren't a very good candidate to become a theoretical astrophysicist. But if you, you know, if you like tinkering, you like uh, working with your hands, you know, then you want to go into instrumentation, perhaps, uh, or at least observational astronomy, where you can use telescopes and fiddle with cameras and that kind of stuff. I think the most important trait is simply determination, you know, the uh, the doggedness to be willing to pursue a goal and to stick with it through through disappointment and, uh, you know, and challenge. Because uh, pursuing advanced degrees and, you know, competing for jobs in a market where, you know, where you get a lot of applicants for every position, you know, it requires that you be a little bit tough and that you stick with it. Uh, So you can't be the type of person who gives up easily uh, because, you know, becoming a scientist or really becoming any kind of professional is is in some sense a dream. And and in order to uh, make that dream a reality, you have to work at it. Well, unfortunately, we're actually out of time for now on LJN Radio, and you do what? Our guest, of course, today has been astronomer Rick Feinberg, the press officer and education and outreach coordinator for the American Astronomical Society. 
Now, we will pick up our conversation with Rick in part two. To find that, just go to localjobnetwork.com slash radio slash list. In the upper left-hand corner, you'll find a search box that you can type in, you do what? Dash astronomer, and that will come right up for you. In the meantime, if you have any thoughts or suggestions, feel free to email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can give us any advice you'd like uh, for any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everyone. 